Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network, and we have a special guest. He's the uh, genesis, the author of the network. That's why I call it network. Created a network is on John Beaton's advice. And whatever advice John Beaton gives, I immediately implement. And there's no, I think in my opinion, no better person to know in the middle of a pandemic, recession, and social unrest than people like John Beaton and John Beaton, Beaton himself. Thank you so kindly for taking time out of your day uh, to Help us with your wisdom and what you've learned in life and what we talked about on the last podcast. Can I get a witness? Something you've been working on for a very long time for a lot of thought into. Josh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are too kind, actually. No, I, I think now I've learned that you can never be too kind. <laughs> yeah. Kindness can be a scarce resource at times. And man, do I appreciate the kindness you have given me throughout the 10, you know, the 10 years that we've known each other, time flies. And go ahead and give us your elevator speech here at the beginning. Sure. So who you are, we can reach out to you. Well, I've been a podcast producer for 15 years and uh, have a company called Heard Not Seen Media. And you can get to us by going imaginepodcasting.com. And uh, we're hired by people to keep putting off starting their podcast, mainly because they think it's expensive or complicated. Right. And what they really want is to start and create a profitable podcast to get their brand and message out there in a bigger way. So that's best way to describe me. I love podcasting. I love the conversation. Like I said, been doing it since uh, really 2004 is when I got into it. In 2005, I launched my first show after talking to a guy named Jeffrey Milburn at a party who had a fabulous story about meeting Andy Warhol. Oh, wow. Yeah, way back in the day. And Andy and Jeffrey became really good friends. And Andrew was ushering him into the next art form called OmniArt, which was Jeffrey's art form. And then Andy died and left Jeffrey a bit stranded. And so when Jeffrey's telling me this story, I thought, I got to get this story out. Because in podcasting, all we're doing is telling stories. So we'll have some stories to tell today along the lines of, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And that whole era fascinates me. I, once a day, will say children are the only ones who blush, right? From Lou Reed. That that what? Children are the only ones who blush. And that's from uh, Lou Reed, uh, Sweet Jane, right? And Lou Reed and Andy Warhol. I always think of that period. Uh-huh. Or Nico from the Velvet Underground. That uh, after years and years of drug abuse and alcoholism, she's, she decides, hey, I am going to get healthy. So she wakes up one morning, she drinks a glass of water, she has some vitamins and she takes a bike and she runs it into a light pole and dies. That's how Nico died from, you know, when they think of Andy Warhol, that's what triggered in my brain, but that's very interesting. interesting. So where's the starting point with this story 
in this these, this thought process you've worked on this for many many years can i get a witness yeah well it actually started when i uh you know with my partner stephanie and uh Stephanie and I, it's a long story, but um, she's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm in the San Diego area. Okay. Uh, we, we, were separ- we were together for 10 years, separated for 11, and for the last year and a half, we've been working on getting back together. Oh, very and, good. Uh, Steph and I have a fabulous relationship. I would say that we are explorers of relationship in life and uh, self-discovery and uh, that sort of thing. And um, there was a movie that came out that um, it's called The Last Temptation of Christ. Yes, I remember that. Yep, Mel Gibson film, actually. Right. And she just at the end, I mean, it's, you know, if, if you haven't seen it, um, it has a lot of pain to it, um, you know, but honest to God, it's a great film. And like Stephanie had just made the comment afterwards that this film was all about witnessing. It was the two Marys in the film that absolutely witnessed this whole um, process with Jesus and the pain and suffering that he had gone through in terms of the crucifixion. So that kind of started me off um, as a podcaster. I started um, really thinking more along the lines of rather than trying to communicate and kind of take over a podcast, I started just listening. Right. And t- took the position of simply witnessing what a- another person is experiencing. Right. So since then, over the years, basically kind of created, kind of well known for holding safe space. So I think a lot of times people uh, just feel like engaging and engaging. And when they're in a conversation with somebody, they're really not listening to the other person. They're thinking maybe about the next thing that they want to say without being really present. So that's one thing I was thinking about this morning in terms of wanting to prepare to just give you the best I have, Josh. And uh, so I think during this time of the pandemic and everything, I I think it's just really important that if you have a thought on your mind about somebody, I wonder how Josh is doing. That is not the time to do anything else, but stop what you're doing and pick up the phone, not text, not social media, not an email, pick up the phone. Yes, because there's a lot of people in, that are just really isolated now. We're six months into it, and uh, psychologically, we know that people are not really expressing how they're really feeling. And for a lot of people, it's some people are claiming to do really great, but you don't really know until you have a conversation with somebody. And uh, all you got to do is listen and just witness what another person's going through. Without, without validating it, going, I'm really sorry, Josh, that happened to you. It's like, I get it. I understand how you feel. None of that at all. Just, um, that, just that, that's, that's a big mistake people make, right? Is, what's that? That's a, that's a mistake a lot of people make, listening to what you just said, saying, I know the way you feel. No, you have no idea, right? That's arrogance. So how I experience Josh is actually what I say, what I call the Josh within me. Got it. My experience of you is different than your experience of you. And uh, so I experienced Josh within me in a certain way. And I, that's the only, you know, it's the only way I can really uh, correctly, you know, really communicate how I understand something or another person is to experience it within my own self. So how do you, yeah. So how do you witness? 
And I would ask anybody out there listening, it's like, do you take the time to actually listen, to observe, to go for a walk, to observe nature, and to simply witness and experience what's going on around you? You know, for me, I've been on both sides. Uh, and right now, I have made uh, an error, right, in uh, not listening as well as I have in the past. I mean, 25 years ago, years ago I, I read a great book on listening, and it's about turning off that movie that's going on in your head. You turn it off, you stop, and you meditate, and you listen. And I became a very, very, very good listener. And then I got extremely angry at what I was listening to. <laughs> the people around me, right? Uh, I needed to work harder in putting people like John, like people like you in my life that I wanted to listen to and that I was learning something from, right? And then sometimes you become a victim of your own success where people don't want to share. They want to get information from you so they can move forward in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just want to listen. I think everyone, to me, um, especially when I was in my early 20s to early 30s, everyone to me was a book. You know, I would sit and I would listen. When I lived in Florida, you had people who were older and they loved to tell you their stories. And man, did I benefit from that. When I owned my restaurant, I had three billionaires. I had George Steinbrenner, I had Aldo Laffey, I had uh, Andy Grove, and I became really good at listening. Yeah, those are people. Really good at, 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 at connect because once, once you listen, right, you learn how to connect with different types of people. You understand a little bit. Now I'm cheating, right? Because my wife's a psychotherapist. So her job is to listen. So now she told me the other day, she's like, hey, exactly what you said. And I'm like, man, I am making consciously, because I know better, the mistake of what she, what you said and what she said of thinking what you're going to say instead of being present and listening to people, right? And I'm like, right. why am I making this classic mistake? Because like, it's like growing up, right? Uh, my mom would say a sin is doing something you know it's wrong and doing it intentionally over and over again. So I was, I was doing my mom's definition of a sin, John Beaton's definition of a sin, my wife's definition of a sin, of thinking of what I was going to say instead of being present and listening. And then the last week, to me, right, and let me, I'd like to know your thoughts, to me doing that, goes hand in hand with meditation because when you meditate you, you clear your mind and you either focus on the music or focus on nothingness you do the same thing with a person you meditate on their words right and and that creates because 80 percent of communication is nonverbal. it really creates right in your relationships with people a positive ripple effect mm-hmm well, I mean, keeping with the today's theme, I, here's what I, how I learned to meditate, and I learned from somebody that was really, really good, was that um, 
it is a little bit about witnessing. A lot of people try to shut off the mind, shut off the, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, we have internal dialogue and uh, come from a couple different um, techniques about that. One is to understand that there's often um, you have two of you in there. One is a critical voice and the other one is more of a compassionate voice. And in many, many cases, people suffer themselves because they have the volume turned up really loud on the critical voice. And the compassionate voice um, gets very, you know, it's, it's sitting down at one or two. So there's really literally an exercise where you just reach out and if you've got a really critical voice, you just simply turn it down, just turn it down. But I learned in meditation to what was most useful for me was to simply observe or witness the thought and let it go. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, thank you. And let it go. So I have a really good friend of mine. I, ha I haven't talked to her in a long time. Her name is Carrie Lake, K-E-R-R-I, last name Lake, which I highly recommend people um, experience because she wrote, well, let me, let me frame it a little bit, is that as a child, she kind of naturally, you know, spoke to the animals, spoke with the animals, spoke right. with the flowers, spoke with the right with the bugs and with nature. And uh, she never really thought too much about it. And then her parents started getting really concerned for Carrie that was like talking to herself and, and these sort of items. And her parents actually got to a level of understanding. Um, but Carrie kind of teaches something that's really been valuable for me in the last many years, which is, and I'll, I'll, it's not her phrase, it's mine that says that the mind cannot understand the matters of the heart. And the mind is, is basically there to serve you. People are trying to turn it off and everything else. But what she says is that, no, the mind is really, really useful. It's the, it's the mind that keeps us when we're driving down the road and somebody jumps out in front of us that allows us to stop in time. The mind is the one that helps us get to the grocery store and get the groceries done. And the mind is the one that just uh, keeps us safe in many respects. Absolutely. But it's an important concept to be able to teach the mind to do what she says, watch the body. Mind, I love you. Mind, you're served me really, really well. But today, I'd like to just encourage you to watch my body because the mind is not a sensory instrument. And uh, you can actually teach your mind to do something new instead of just constantly driving you crazy, but to simply watch the body. So a lot of people with health issues, they simply get there because they have not, their mind has not paid attention to the body and what the body feels and what it senses. You know, for me, in terms of diet, I don't do anybody's particular diet. I simply eat things and kind of notice how I feel physically, sensorily, if that's a word, sensorily, in a way that, oh, that feels good. So as an example, it's like, um, I don't like hard liquor, but I will tell you that if I have a shot or two of Huradura silver tequila, I never do not have some sort of religious experience. <laughs> In other words, it feels good, but that's kind of the only kind of alcohol that uh, seems to work, you know, that is enjoyable to me. 
So, I mean, that was listening to you. Uh, what then it comes to mind because before we started the podcast, we talked about uh, a system I have for gratitude and something my sister said 30 years ago, right? That every day you wake up and you have a choice whether to be happy or not, or how do you feel, right? And I came to the conclusion when I was talking to you that some days it's harder than others, right? And you really have to use your will to get yourself to a point where you're, you know, you have gratitude and you're happy, right? And in my philosophy, there's about five days where it's not gonna work. It doesn't matter how strong your will is, that day is bad. <laughs> and that there's nothing you can do about that. However, the whole thought process of that it takes six years to become an overnight success. And I was listening to a football coach and they were saying, hey, uh, they were going to the championship game and it was Mac Brown and Pete Carroll. And Mac Brown says the championship game is next Wednesday at 7 p.m. But it took me 35 years as a football coach to get there. And it took Pete 30 years. So when we play, it's not going to be a week from now. It's, it's between him and I, 65 years of coaching football to get to be able to go to that game. And a lot of the skills that I, I believe that you're relating to I think some people can do it really fast, but it, it, some, and I had a great podcast with Ben Goya, again, Hoya, a two-time best-selling author, Influence with the Heart. And we're talking about skills, uh, mental intelligence skills that took me 20 years to get, sometimes 10 years to get. If you can speak to that, a lot of these skills that you've developed, you know, how long has it taken in practice to be able to get to that point? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, a little bit back to Carrie Lake. Yeah. W one thing I learned from her um, is, you know, people, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to somebody, do you meditate? Yes. I've been practicing for 20 years. And it's just like 20 years, really? You've been practicing 20 years? And, you know, I, I, I first started meditating, uh, I don't know, probably 40 years ago. Wow. Uh, and people, yeah, and people ask me, uh, do you still meditate? And actually, and I'll tie this back to what Carrie says, is that, and this largely came about when I met Carrie many years ago, was that she is a huge proponent of believing that you can get there like that. And so I started to actually approach it, huh, I wonder if what it'd be like, what it would feel like and how it would be experienced if I simply made my life a meditation. Right. So, so that, as I said earlier in meditation, it's just like, oh, I have that thought. Well, thank you very much. Kind of bless it and let it go, release it. So I try as much as I can in life to, be, to do that as well, is to observe everything that's going on around me in terms of nature and and just to go, that's nice, and let it go. Or, or even, that really sucks. Thank you, and let it go. Um, it, you know, it's just, you know, people do suffer themselves a lot by hanging on to stuff. Or, once again, you know, reeling it back to uh, what stories they're telling themselves constantly. Because you, you know, it's like you said, you wake up in the morning, you have a choice. You can, you know, I studied NLP for years, and I do know... And I learned that you can choose how you feel. 
most people, not most, but many people, you know, go through life and they just kind of wait till a feeling comes up. But no, you can choose, right. not by affirmation, but by simply making a choice. I wake up this morning, I, you know, I feel, I do not feel good. You know, I, I've got an ache or I've gotten a pain, a pain of some sort, and I'm going to make it a great day. And, and that lends, lends it to uh, your, your podcast, and I love the, uh, the name of it. Uh, what's got your attention? Yeah, what has my attention? What yep. has your attention, yeah. Yep. It goes back to that meditation and witnessing and listening. And at the same time, um, I had a great podcast with, Hala Taha, and she made uh, the point, right, because she has a great job making a ton of money in Disney streaming, yet she wanted to have a podcast, and she wanted to have people like Robert Greene and 48 Laws of Power, and I said, and she has an MBA, and I said, I have two, you know, two master's degrees in business, probably should have gotten a doctorate. But I have to imagine there's a lot of intellectual curiosity in John Beaver. That there's what? Intellectual curiosity? Intellectual curiosity. You want to know what other people, what, what other people attention is. What has other people's attention versus yeah. I mean, just dwelling on what has your attention? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's intellectual curiosity. It's just curiosity in general. So, you know, it's like, I know there's a lot of people out there doing podcasts with famous people and everything else, and they're getting a lot of attention and making money and all the rest of it. I have yet to meet somebody. And I can talk about a friend of mine that's autistic, right. awesome guy. Um, I can talk about um, the guy I met at Starbucks that I, before the pandemic, I was going to a couple times a week in the morning. And I met this guy, Robert, and... Uh, uh, God, he's like sitting out with his grocery start, uh, grocery cart. He's homeless, right. long hair, bearded. And I just decided one day when he was sitting out on the park bench or whatever it was near Starbucks, I'd just sit next to him and just say hi. And whether it's a person like that or you or anybody else, I have yet to meet somebody that I did not, through curiosity, find out to be absolutely fascinating about what their life was like, what they've learned, what's up for them, what it's like to be homeless. I mean, you know, people don't know what it's like, but this guy, this particular guy I was just talking about, turns out he used to be a very high level um, IT engineer that worked for Hewlett Packard. Guy is really, really smart. And he simply decided he just didn't want to do the grind anymore. So he simply has a place, a tent out in the woods nearby, Lucadia. He lives there, shows up, Starbucks every now and then. Obviously, he's got some money. He does pay for his Starbucks and stuff. But, right. you know, it's just like talking to him about his life and where, you know, I learned so much from him more than I probably learned from anybody else on a podcast because they, he's not trying to impress anybody. He's just really dealing with what's in front of him. And, uh, 
what his particular challenges are. You know, he didn't really speak too much about the challenges, except for sometimes it gets a little cold in the winter and that sort of thing. But uh, just a fascinating conversation with this with this guy. Yeah, no, so, I would process it though. I would define that as, as intellectual curiosity. In my, I have a unique experience. When I opened up my restaurant, my mom said, we came here from Cuba. Anybody that asked you for a plate of food, just give it to them, right? So I used to give food freely. And this goes to, let me interested to your thoughts. Uh, this is where I truly learned how to practice uh, an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. When I started giving free food to the homeless, the homeless started hanging out. And people are like, you're not going to get the high-end clientele. You're not going to get good people coming in with all these homeless people hanging out, right? And that kind of threw the fear into me. But I did it anyways, right? And long story short, the it used to be like a mafia in uh, St. Pete, Florida, Penelope with the homeless. So the head mafia homeless guy said, you can't go to Josh's restaurant and eat the free food unless you pass out flyers for two hours. So the homeless people started passing out flyers. They made their own flyers. <laughs> and it ended up being a revenue generating activity. And I had no, uh, there's a song that says, I thought it was my moves, but it was God's grace. It was just the universe and karma, <laughs> you know, helping me out in those situations. And again, like yourself, I had the most fascinating conversations and stories and it's a diverse population a homelessness, yeah. right? And, and it, it, in your life, right? And we'll close with this because you've been gracious with your time. In your life, how has that played out? Because I know for 100%, you've always had an abundance mentality. You've always been gracious with your time, with your information, with your wisdom. And you know that, that it's heartfelt when I, when I say that I 100% truly appreciate it. So what's your question? Yeah. Well, what is your thoughts, right? And what's been your experience on having a abundance mentality versus having a scarcity uh, mentality? Well, my thoughts are, I probably have told you before, but I do know um, I am basically here for two reasons. Number one is to serve and number two is to love. And in business and getting, you know, making a living, um, it's a matter of structuring that, structuring that in such a way that, and the money will take care of itself. So I do not think people deserve, I mean, people say, oh, you, you know, you should take some time off. You should do that. You deserve it. I, you know, I don't know if I deserve it or not. Right. It's not, I'm not, I'm not really too concerned about it. I, I, I think we're at a time right now that the pandemic has given many of us that are open and aware to it, a real gift. Right. Absolutely. And as I said before, when this whole thing first started happening with the pandemic, I said that connection and relationship is the vaccine against isolation. So you don't have to have a pandemic to realize that people are isolated. They isolate themselves and they're isolated by other people. Isolation, you know, the pandemic gave us this gift to be aware of isolation and lack of connection. So it's like, I would say, you know, 
kind of to, to answer the question is that connection and relationship is the most important thing in life, period. If it wasn't, there wouldn't be all of us. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's in being relatable to others. And that requires some quote unquote emotional intelligence about it rather than being opinionated and, um, you know, strictly um, self-centered and, uh, I don't think selfishness is a good word, but, uh, you know, just not thinking of other people as much, you know, and realizing that, you know, collaboration is really, really an important thing right now. So, and it always has been. Yeah. And I'll close with this question. So I know you're in a hundred percent agreement. Thank you. Thank you and my wife. For yeah, Josh, thank you. Yeah. We're awakening this, that I believe you're the same opinion and you let me know that a specific example is the great conversations you and I have had independent of each other over the years with homeless people, right? Connecting uh -huh. to other human beings and also being a service to people who are isolated. Because uh, I remember the, the greatest compliment I probably ever had was a very isolated person. And they said, man, you just have a vibe of failures. So total non-verbal community, they look at me, they're isolated, they don't talk to people. I gave them a vibe of warmth. And they told me the whole life story, and I sat there and I experienced it, like you said. So the, those experiences and experiencing humanity and connecting with people gives us a better life experience. Yeah. So, I, you know, if I was going to end with something, I would say this. There's a lot of people talking about how important it is to be grateful and have gratitude. Check this out. Appreciation is expansion. Rather than gratitude, if you have appreciation, you have appreciation like you have appreciation for money. Right. If, some, if you have money in the bank, it appreciates. So appreciation takes gratitude one step further, Got it. where it actually provides for expansion. So I, I would encourage you, myself, and others to actually, rather than use these words gratitude, try on appreciation and see how much different it feels. 100%, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna practice it. I'm gonna practice it. And I'll close it, uh, people listening to these podcasts, and I love podcasts like this, because you can listen to this 10 years from now and get the same, right? If yeah. you attempt what John and I did, and you fail, no, I hate the word fail, or you didn't do the way uh, uh, as, as your expectations might be, no, that it's taken me sometimes 20 years to get something right. What you have to do, though, is the next day, give it uh, your best effort, and you will get good at it. And sometimes you'll do what Carrie Lake says and get something new like this. Yeah, one day you'll wake up and everything will be different. Yes. And you can't plan when that will be. No. It will just arrive. Love it. Can I get a witness experience life? And we'll close with something that John and I practice. And it's uh, the words of Sir Winston Churchill. Uh, when he helped the Western world in World War II with these words, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESPC podcast name. 
Awesome, Josh. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best.